Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. Wow, what an intro. Everybody doing good? Yes, sir. Ready to uh, lean in and keep going? I mean, we've already been worshiping and we're going to keep going through the through the reading of his word. But man, I can't I can't tell you how much this church has already meant to to our family. Uh, what if you're new to Oasis? By the way, I sit down because I'm gonna get going later. But I just I want to ease y'all in because we get to the end of it, you may be like, "This guy is a lot for me." Um, but what you just got to witness in Pastor Clint is what he is like all of the time, all the time, on the phone. Uh, just one one on one, and man, there was a time when I was still wrestling with, is this what I'm supposed to do? And uh, there were very few voices that were constant in that seasons, not letting me forget what God had called me to do. And y'all y'all were one of them. So I'm thankful for you guys. I honor you guys. You're in good soil here. If you didn't know, this is a great church, and. Uh, City Light would not be happening if it weren't for the Lamberts and uh, your yes. So I thank you so much for you guys. Um, one of the things that you probably also already know if you're already a part of this church, but you'll find out if you're new, is the Lamberts are a lot of fun. They just have fun in everything they do. They're, they're full of joy. Uh, nothing is like, they don't have to do anything. They get to do everything. And so there's just a lot of fun to be around. But I'm not as fun as, as Clint is. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little more intense. So I promise you, by the end of the message, if you're like, whoo, that was something, just come back next week. It'll be a lot more fun because, you know, your pastor will be speaking again. And it'll be great. And we'll just act like it never happened. Um, but you've been in this series for the last several weeks called Clickbait, um, which was all about getting over uh, offense. Anybody get free to some offense going through that series? I, I listened to it. It was great. It was helpful. It was practical. And I know you're about to go into another series that's going to be equally, if not more, helpful and valuable to you. And so we're kind of in this little in-between where I was seeking and asking God, God, what would you have me say to your church at Oasis, like what, what would you have me say? And so I feel like what, what he's given me and what I'm going to be able to talk to us about today is what I found to be the secret sauce to living a full and complete life. It, it is the thing that if you can master, if you can learn to lean into it, it will become the thing that no matter the season, no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself or what you're doing, it will be the secret sauce that lets you know God's still with me. And it's not how to make more money. Even though how many, how many of you would enjoy some more money in your life? And nobody, nobody wants to be poor. Um, we'd like to have a little more money. But it's not how to make more money. It's not how to be less stressed. Even though I would enjoy not having as much stress. Everybody would like to feel a little less stress. It's not how to do either of those things. But this thing 
actually takes a little more discipline and takes a little bit more work on your end to cultivate and develop it. And it's how to develop and create an appetite. Now, I know some of you are like, Brennan, it's 1030 and I'm already hungry. I don't need any help with that. I, I got an appetite, but, but I want to go to a scripture and it's going to kind of set the stage for the rest of our time together. It's Psalm 27, verse 4. Uh, this is King David who wrote this, but this is what he says in Psalm 27. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord and this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his temple. I'll read it again for those of you who are just scrolling, try to get there before I start reading it. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his temple. If you're into titles, I like to kind of give us a title anytime we're together. But here's the title of the message. It's simply this. I'm hungry. Amen. I'm hungry. Write that down. I'm, I'm hungry. Give you a little background on King David. If, you know, maybe you didn't grow up in church or maybe it's been a while since you've uh, gotten around the Bible. But King David is kind of a famous figure in the Bible which, by the way, you'll learn all throughout this message. I'm kind of a Bible nerd, and I'm, I'm really proud of it. So we got more scripture than we got time. But uh, King David is all throughout the Bible, uh, kind of primarily in the Old Testament, but many other figures into the New Testament reference King David and go back and talk about him. But King David um, had a lot of success. He, he won big, but he also lost big. Many of you probably know the story of him slaying the giant Goliath. That's, that was a big victory, but he also had a big failure when, you know, he slept with Bathsheba. That was kind of, you either know King David for one of those two reasons. So he, he won big and he lost big, but he also had many men, um, had a lot of successes in, in war and on the battlefield. And the Bible even describes David as a man after God's own heart. So in the midst of all of the, the success and failure, he was known as someone who was after, and he was after the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. And so in all of this, David in Psalm 27 decides to pin one thing that I ask. So again, think for context. He's had everything. He's seen it all. He's done it all. But he writes, if I could just have one thing, this is what I'm seeking. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that I may gaze at his beauty, and that I may inquire in his temple. How many of you, it's funny, we didn't even talk about this, but you referenced this. I, I think it was in the, the welcome or in our huddle. But uh, how many of you love some crumble cookie? Come on now. So don't, don't lie in church. And, you know, everybody... Everybody likes some crumble. If you don't like crumble, you've never been, yeah, I guarantee you, if you're sitting in the South, so you like dessert. Um, I, tell, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, why does it feel like everywhere we go, dessert is like not optional? Like it's just something that has to follow every meal. Um, but anyway, I love crumble. 
I, uh, Corey and I just got done with the 21 days of prayer and fasting, which in full transparency was about 16 days. Uh, we made it 16 strong. Then we said, we need some Italian pasta. Um, so, so we just came through 16 days of prayer and fasting. But, you know, they put in this new crumble in Gallatin. We live in Gallatin. It's right there in front of Publix, all my Gallatin peeps. I know you've seen it. Head on out there. But every single time I drive home, it's like something spiritual comes into the vehicle just trying to tell me and lure me, you need to get the crumble. You need, you, go ahead, hop online, look at them flavors. And so, especially when I was <laughs> in my 16 days of prayer and fasting, oh my goodness, it was so hard not to look at that, 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 uh, the flavors of the week. But I would drive past it, say no, because I'm spiritual, um, would, would not indulge in the crumble cookie, but I drive past to get home and it was like the more time that passed, the more I kept thinking about them flavors. I was like, well, Lord, you know my heart. You know, you know I, I want to honor you, but golly, I'm a sucker for a chocolate brownie. Um, but I would just sit there and just think about those flavors. Maybe it's not crumble for you, but you, you probably have that one thing that like, the moment you think about it, it's like, I am hungry for that. Uh-huh. Like, that is the thing that you can't get out of your mind. You're willing to move things out of your schedule just so you can get to that. And it begins to dominate your mind. I love this illustration because I'm not just trying to get all of us hungry physically. But David is saying in Psalm 27 that this is the one thing I, that I seek. Now, for those of you, like I told you, I'm a Bible nerd. The Bible wasn't written in English. It wasn't written in English. For those of you that didn't know that, maybe that's you know, not news to you, but it wasn't written in English. It was written primarily in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Now, that word seek in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew it's bakash, in the Greek it's zateo. That word seek literally means to search out or a better uh, translation is to crave. So David is saying, don't miss this. Out of everything I've experienced, I crave to be with God. I, I can't get it out of my mind. It doesn't matter what I eat. It is the thing that no matter how much I fill my body with physical food, I still feel a little empty because I have a craving that won't go away for the Lord. And so what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about is how do we develop a craving for God? How do we develop this hunger for God? Because when we become hungry for God, I promise you, it will be the thing that always feels like you can't satisfy it, but it will also carry you through whatever it is that you find yourself in. Matthew 6, verse 33 here, this is the word of Jesus, by the way. This is what he says. He says, but seek, or zateo, but crave, but crave first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So whatever it is that you came in here saying, God, I need this. I want you to let the word of God remind you and encourage you. If you crave first his kingdom, and crave first his righteousness, then everything else in the natural that you're saying I need, 
Jesus has a promise that says, no, those things will come. But have a hunger for me first. Let that be the primary thing. And uh, I can't help but ask all of us this question this morning. What would change in our lives if what we hungered for the most was God? What would change in your relationship? What would change in your household? What would change in your perspective? What would change in your life if what you hungered for the most was God? Because here's the truth. And I've, come on now, I like to eat. I've discovered this. What you hunger for the most, you will find. What you hunger for the most, you will seek it out. And you will find it. And you will try to find a way to have that hunger satisfied. So what you long for the most will be the thing that you try to fill yourself with. But just like having parents in the room, grandparents in the room, just like those early days when you're trying to teach your kids how to eat the right thing or how to not eat before mealtime, you always say, don't eat that because you will spoil your appetite. The same is true spiritually where you can become a Christian that spends all of their time eating all the wrong things so that you don't have space left for God. You've spoiled your appetite for the Lord. And God's just wanting, I believe he sent me here to you today to just say, I just want you to have a hunger for me. I just want you to have this thing inside of you that longs for me. Because if we seek the Lord most, we will find everything we've been looking for. I love the Apostle Paul, how he writes this in Acts chapter uh, 17. Just for, for context, he's in the city of Athens, um, which, by the way, don't Google image Athens now. It looks a lot cooler now than it did back then. But um, Paul is speaking to these Athenians who have built their lives around satisfying whatever thing that they wanted. And so Paul is talking to them about who God is. And he says in Acts 17, starting verse 26, and he says, and he made from one man, talking about Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Look at verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He's saying, God created all of you, even though you don't know it yet. He created all of you to crave him more than anything else. He says, just seek him. And then he says, but you actually discover that he's actually not far from each one of you. So it's this weird cat and mouse almost where when you get to a place of, okay, I'm going to seek the Lord. I gotta, I'm going to develop a hunger for him. I'm going to go after him. When you get to that place, you'll actually discover he was never that far away anyway. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in these places where we want more of God or we want to seek God, but we don't because we think he's so far away. And I just want to encourage you this morning, let the word of God encourage you that when you embark on this seeking journey, you'll discover he's been there all along. He's not, he's not distance. He's not this cosmic killjoy who just sits up in heaven and wants to see your life be miserable. 
He just wants you to seek him and to know him. Paul is saying, we were all made. We were all made, regardless of what you believe. We were all made to crave after the Lord. And so what I want to do with the remainder of our, or with the remainder of our time so I want to use that psalm, Psalm 27, uh, verse 4, where David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to gaze at his beauty, and I want to inquire in his temple. I want to use that as kind of a framework for us, for all the note takers. It's kind of a railroad of how are we going to get to a place where we have this hunger for the Lord. So if you're taking notes, number one, I want you to write this down, and we're going to make it all personal. Number one, I'm hungry for his house. I'm hungry for his house. David says, I just want to, I just want to dwell in. I just want to, I just want to rest in. I, w- I want to linger in the house of the Lord. I don't want to leave this place. Friend, let me tell you that ever since I said yes to Jesus in college, I don't have to come to church. I, I, I'm hungry for this house. I'm hungry to be in the house of the Lord. The scripture is riddled with people that they literally had to try to convince to leave the temple because they didn't want to leave the house of the Lord. And David is saying, I, I've been to palaces. I've, been, I've won battles. I've, I've conquered it all. But I, I'm hungry for his house. I'm hungry for his house. What's so special about the house, Brennan? The house is where we come together. Uh, you need to know right now that, that you are in a spiritual house. We, I was talking with Clinton before this. We were doing run through and I said, man, isn't it amazing that every single Sunday we get to turn a senior center into a house of worship? And he said, he said turning common places into holy places. And that's what we get to do every single Sunday. We get to come here and we get to just establish a house for the Lord. And I want us to be hungry for it because the house is where we come together. The house is where we bear the burdens of one another. The house is where we are reminded of the mission. I'm kind of a military geek. My dad was a Marine. But, but I love this illustration that the house, the house of God, the, church, the local church of God is the missional outpost for the world where the Christian can come and they may have gotten beat up from last week's battle or they may be coming in ready for this week's battle. But when we come into the house of the Lord, it is the outpost where we get encouraged, we get unified, we get our faith built so that when we go out on Monday, we're ready to accomplish the mission that God's tasked us with. That is what the house is. There's a lot of great 501c3s. There's a lot of great nonprofits but there's nothing like the house of the Lord. There's nothing that enables people to come together from all walks, from all races, languages, to come together and have a common mission to go reach people. That's what the house is. The house is the place where we can come together and say, we're hungry to see God move. We're hungry to be used. And the longer I follow Jesus, let this encourage you, Oasis. The longer I follow Jesus, the more I realize that God meets us. He meets you and I at the level of our expectation. And he is more than willing and actually more apt to show up to a room of a hundred hungry people 
than 10,000 people that just show up on a Sunday because they have to be there. So I, I, I want you to hear this today, that even though God's done some great things in the past of this church, I believe he's doing even greater things in the future, but he just wants Oasis to get a little hungry. Get a little hungry for him and get hungry to see his house be built. I want all of us to be hungry for his house. Number two, I want you to write this down. Number two, I'm hungry for his house, but I'm hungry for his word. I'm hungry for his word. David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord and and gaze or look at his beauty. What is David saying? David's saying, "I, I want to remain here. And I don't just want to be here. I want to know God intimately. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know him in, intimately. I just want to look at him and admire him for who he is and, and what he's done. Which, by the way, that's what worship is. Yeah. See, praise is when we come in and we thank God for what he's done. And we encourage each other about who God is. Worship is when we get to a place where we get vertical and say, God, even if you never did another thing for me, you are perfect. That's, that's who you are. I want to know you. But how do we know God? How do we get to a place where we can know him intimately? We get to know him through his word. We have this hunger for his word. Brennan, are you telling me I just get to know him by just opening the Bible and, you know, close my eyes and flip it and, you know, find, find, a, find a random verse? Well, kind of. I, I'm, I'm telling you that this thing is more than just a 2,000-year-old textbook. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive, and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Get this. It's not a dead word. It's a living word. It's not a dead word. It's a living word because we don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who is alive. He doesn't just have this old textbook where you can just get to know some facts about him. No, this thing is alive and it's active. And how do I know that it's alive and it's active? Not only do I trust scripture, but I've seen it on display. I've seen people, I've had people come to me with zero belief in God. And convinced that they would never believe. But they began to read the Bible out of curiosity. And would come back to me and say, Brennan, I gave my life to Jesus after reading this thing. No message. No sermon. No, um, no altar call. Just a living word. The word did what it's supposed to do. And God did what he said he would do. They, they lead themselves to Christ. I remember Matthew sitting right here in the second row. Uh, Matthew's eight now, but uh, came, to, came to us when uh, he was six. And uh, when he was seven years old, I remember, which Corey, by the way, Corey's, um, I can't tell you really anything to do right with parenting. I'm just, I'm just fumbling my way through. But when it comes to discipling young children, my wife is great at it, by the way. Um, but I remember probably about a little over a year ago, we were sitting there 
doing our, our devotional time where we read scripture. Um, what's that thing called, Corey? The key, keys for kids? If you got small kids or uh, elementary age kids, keys for kids. It's a great kids devotional. Uh, I, I get none of the proceeds. But, but we were doing our devotional and we're just reading scripture. And, and I remember we were reading about uh, what happened in the garden in Genesis. And so as we're just reading the Bible, we're just reading Genesis, talking about, you know, God has this plan for, for everybody, and, and he designed and created every single human being in his image, and he created them for a purpose, to be with him, and they would never need anything, never want anything. They would be completely and fully satisfied in his presence, but there was this thing called sin that entered into the world, and because of sin, now we and God have been separated because God is holy and he can't, he, the two don't reconcile. And, but God so badly wanted what he created back. He sent his son Jesus to die a death on a cross so that through believing in him, we can be brought back to our creator. And so we're just reading this story. I mean, I'm not preaching. Corey's not preaching nothing. We're just reading the story. And we look up. I remember Matthew's on his top bunk. And he's just got tears coming down his face. And for the first time, he had realized that his sin had separated him from God. But he also realized in the same moment that the grace of Jesus came to win him back. And all he had to do was place his faith in it. I'm, I'm not a bad communicator, but I'm not good enough to convince a seven-year-old that, he that he's a sinner and that he's far from God, and, but Jesus paid the penalties so that he could come back. That's the living word of God. That's no convincing. That's just the word doing what it does. And so why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you that if you'll develop a hunger for the word, then you will begin to see things take shape and form in your life that no amount of strategy can fix. No amount of, you know, putting heads together can fix what the word can do. Isaiah 55, verse 11, this is God speaking through Isaiah. Here's what he said. He says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. He said, my word, when it leaves my mouth, mission accomplished. There, there, is, there, is no, there is no variable in this. When I say it, it is so. And so when we develop this hunger for the Lord or the hunger for the word, then it's the word of God going forth and it doesn't return without void. So you may be sitting there saying, Brennan, I understand that. But what do I do? Because I've come to find out that many people realize and actually want to read the Bible more. But they don't know where to begin. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to do it. It's intimidating. So really quickly, I just want to give you three little quick things to kind of get you started if you're like, hey, I want to develop this hunger for the Word. Number one, pick a place. Super not spiritual, but just pick a place. Pick a place, get that favorite chair in your living room and make that place your place. Or if you got small kids and, you know, they get up at 630 in the morning and you're like, 
there ain't no place in my house that's safe. Just find one. It doesn't matter where it is. You don't have to find a place where you can, you know, lay prostrate on the ground. Just pick a place in your house where you say, that's my place. That's where I'm going to feast on God's word. Number two, get the right tools. How many of you tried to do a job with the wrong tools? Oh, it's so infuriating. I forget the quote. I think Clint said it a couple weeks back, but uh, whoever said it said, if I had three hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first two sharpening the ax. It's that idea. I'm going to make sure I get the right tools. And so the same applies for reading the word. You got to get the right tools. Here's what I mean. You got to get a Bible that you can read. People ask me all the time, what translation should I get? And I say, the one that you'll read. You can get one today. Look at your pastors. You can get one today. Just get a Bible. Get a journal. I would suggest a journal. And just start in the book of John. The Bible reading, it's 2023. You can find a thousand Bible reading plans on the Bible app. Uh, You probably got one in the app too. Yep, knew it. Um, Download the Oasis app, oasistn.church. Get the Bible app. But just get the right tools. And then lastly, be consistent. Just be consistent. Pick a place, get the right tools, be consistent. And watch your hunger for the word increase. So we need to be hungry for his house, hungry for his word. And lastly, hungry for his presence. I'm hungry for his presence. Again, David says, I'm, I'm dwelling here in your house. I'm gazing at your beauty. And I'm inquiring in your temple. I'm inquiring in your temple. It's strange language, actually. We don't use it a lot today, but... Uh, but I'm inquiring in your temple. See, in the Old Testament, the temple was a place where everybody knew, if I need to meet with God, that's where I got to go. I got to go to the temple. Because in the temple is where I made a sacrifice. I had a sacrifice made for me. In the temple is where I sought forgiveness. The temple had a place inside of it known as the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was supposed to be there. So when David's saying, I'm inquire, I just want to, I want to dwell in your house. I want to gaze at who you are. And then I just want to inquire in your temple. He's saying, I just want to be near your presence. I just want to be in your presence. But I love, this is why I love Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just want you and I to have to go to a temple in order to encounter his presence. See, Jesus, not only did he reverse the curse of sin by bringing us who were far from God back to God through his sacrifice. But when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, it was a separation from them in God's presence. So Jesus not only said, I'm going to provide a way to for them to experience salvation and life eternally. But while they're here on earth, my sacrifice is going to bring them back into the presence. Which is why you'll see in the Bible that the moment Jesus on the cross finished his job and said it is finished, says that the veil in the temple 
which separated the presence of God from everything else, what did it do? It tore in half. And scripture even says from top to bottom, it didn't just kind of tear. We don't just have 80% of God's presence. It tore from top to bottom. So now that you and I, through a relationship with Jesus, can have access to the Holy Spirit, who when we say yes to Jesus, indwells us, comes into our life. Now we don't have to get on a plane and travel to the Middle East to a temple to encounter God. We have access right here, right now, to the presence of God. And David's saying, I'm inquiring. I just want to be with his presence. And I think sometimes when we talk about the presence of God, we, we talk about prayer and we just maybe even stop praying because we're like, I prayed for so long, Brennan, but nothing's happened. Can I just share something with you that I've come to discover recently? Prayer is less about changing an external reality and more about stirring up your own spirit. So that when you begin to pray, you begin to develop an appetite, stir up a hunger for his presence, and you begin to praise, and you begin to remind yourself that though God doesn't feel like he's here right now, he was there back then, and that will give me confidence that he will be there tomorrow. And he's going to be faithful to do what he says. So what's the piece that we play? Just have a hunger for him. So a hunger for his presence. I want to encourage you, if, if you're in the room today and you're hungry, you don't feel like God's near. Maybe you gave your life to Christ some time ago or you've been doing this whole following Jesus thing for a while now and you just maybe feel a little, little distance. I want to encourage you today. Right here, right now, you have access to every ounce of his presence that exists. You have access to all of it. And I want to I bring that before you today because as, a, as Clint shared with you, we're, we're stepping out on this journey called planning a church. And every day, in the same day, I find myself excited for what God's called us to do, but scared to death in the same moment. Grasping for control, but realizing how far out of my control it is. Asking questions about what if, but realizing the only thing that's doing is giving me stress, robbing me of my joy removing me from being present with my family. And so I'm coming to the place where I'm realizing that at the end of the day, I just want to be hungry for God. Above all else, I want to be hungry for God. You may have walked in here today saying, Brennan, that's great, but my marriage feels like it's about to fall apart. I would just tell you, before any marriage advice, I would ask you, are you hungry for God? Brennan, I feel like I'm failing as a parent. Are you hungry for God? I'm in this job situation. I don't know how it's going to work out. Are you hungry for God? 
I, I'm young and I'm single and I don't, all my friends are married. I, are you hungry for God? What are you seeking? Like I said, I think God wants to do more with the 100 hungry people than 10,000 people that are here in obligation. But it's on all of us to identify what are, what are we really hungry for? Because just like me with crumble and barbecue, you're going to figure out a way to, to feast on what you're hungry for. So what are you hungry for today? I want everybody to close their eyes and just bow their heads wherever they are. And I want to read this scripture to you and just read it over you today. Because it's the word of Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So it's this amazing promise yet tension you and I find ourselves in where when we get hungry for God, we realize that the only thing that will ultimately satisfy it is Jesus. But while we continue to pursue him, we lose an appetite for the things of the world and we develop a hunger. And we just, we just want the bread of life. God, I just want you. And so right now, I want you just to identify what is the state of your hunger for God? Do, do you seek him just because you need something from him or is his presence enough? Is his salvation enough? It's what he did for you enough. Do you know him intimately? I think so often the reason we feel like we can't develop this hunger for God is because we've never actually known him. And so if there's anyone in the room today that would say, I'm realizing that I can't be hungry for something I've never tasted. But I believe what you said about Jesus. I believe the scriptures. I believe that he is the only person that will satisfy. I believe his sacrifice was good enough for my sin and all sin. And I want to give my life to him and him alone today. In the quietness of your own soul, right where you are, I just want you to pray a simple prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. God, you are my portion. I forsake everything in the world that I seek to fill me up. I turn from my sin and I thank you for paying for it and I give you my life right now. And may I never be the same. Before I pray for all of us, I just want to pray for the person or people in the room. that have walked through a season of stress over something physical in nature, whether it be money, whether it be kids, whether it be a job, whether it be a, a parent situation. And it's, it's the only thing that you can think about. I want to pray for you today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
that fear will leave and it will be replaced with a hunger for his presence like never before. So God, right now, as we pray, we say we want to be a people that above all else seek you. God, we believe what Matthew chapter 6 says, that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, God, everything that we could fill that blank in with, it will be added to us in your timing and according to your will. God, would we be a people that hunger and long for you, your presence, your house, and your word, unlike we ever had before. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Brennan a hand. Yes, sir.